Well, good to see you today. How's everybody doing? Good? Well, you look good. You know, I'm really tired of hell. I'm just tired of what hell does. I'm tired of what the enemy does to people. And, um, you know, this week, we've uh, seems like we've done double duty in praying for people who are sick, who are going through challenges in their life, whether it's uh, vocational or financial or any other way. And I, I don't know if we ever really stop and put it in that perspective. I'm tired of hell. I'm tired of that kind of stuff prevailing in our world. I'm tired of our children being taken advantage of by the world system. I'm tired of us being under the sway of darkness instead of under the sway of the power of God and the power of light. And I, as I thought about the title of this sermon, I, I set this title months and months ago, and, 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 and I really had kind of forgotten about the title until I got up closer to development of this message. And, and I thought, wow, I, I really am just tired of hell. And, and I just want to make a statement, hell will not prevail. We need to make that stand in our own personal life that I'm not going to let hell get the best of me, of my family, of my life, of my future, or my thoughts. You know, here's a couple of thoughts I want to just begin with. Here's the first one. It's not what you have lost, it's what you have left that matters. You know, I, I find that being a pastor People live with so many regrets, so much guilt, so many mistakes they've made. And the focus of their life seems to be on what I've, how I've messed up or what I've lost in my life, whether it's a relationship or finances or something else. And I think that's exactly what, what the enemy wants us to do is to focus in on all the loss and all the difficulty and all the pain instead of what do you have left? What is it you can build with from right now? And then another thought, hell cannot stop what heaven has planned. We almost kind of roll over and say, well, the world's getting bad, therefore we have to give up. Remember, God has a destiny for you that is great and awesome and wonderful, and, and he wants to work that out in your life. The other thing is that Jesus is relevant in every age to every person. That might sound like an overstatement, but I, if I put the church in there, it would not be true. I, if I said the church is relevant to every age and every person, it would not be true. Whenever we get so caught up in church and religion and denomination and, and, and kind of systems and rules of, that go along with that, we, we become irrelevant to our world. It's been amazing to me that I can have a conversation about Jesus with anybody and the relevancy of his message always seems to ring, ring true. They may not accept it. They may not like it. They may not believe in Jesus. But they don't, they don't mark him off as being irrelevant in our world. And I, I want to tell you that we have to talk about Jesus. We have to say, Here, here's who Jesus is and here's how he can make a difference in your life. I was sitting at a restaurant last night and uh, with another couple, and uh, somebody came over that I, I knew from uh, uh, just, you know, just some work that we've done together, and I didn't really know his spiritual background. He just came over and said, hey, Pastor Phil, how you doing? I recognized him, and, 
And uh, he said, hey, my wife and I are over here, and, and we're expecting a baby. And I go, oh, congratulations. And I went over there afterwards, Tammy and I did, and, and uh, we talked with them, had a great conversation, found out they're really kind of looking for a church. And then uh, I said, hey, can we just pray for you? And right there in the middle of the restaurant, we're standing up, and we're just praying for this couple. And I thought, you know what? Religion tells you not to do that. The state tells you not to do that. Common sense tells you not to do that. And they were so thankful. We would love you to pray for us. And we prayed for them there. And I thought, you know, that is the kind of boldness the church has to have if we're going to make a difference in the world. The other thing that we have to remember is that we have the opportunity and the destiny to give life to people. You know you're a life giver. You have this message of Jesus in you, and you can give that gift to people, but you've got to open your mouth. You've got to tell people about this Jesus. Jesus taught that everyone will ever either live with God or they will live apart from God. He took the entire universe, the population, present, and future in his time, and said everyone will either live with God or apart from God. Has, that, has the gravity of that grabbed you when we live in a, in, a, in a world of more than 6 billion people? That people are either going to live with God or apart from God. He further taught that man's destiny is determined here on earth, not in heaven. That where you're going to spend eternity will be determined here and now in this world. And so will every other person. There will not be negotiations once a person dies and stands before God. It's all determined here and now, and that means that there is no second chance. There is no way out. There is no negotiating with, with the king of kings. That means we have a responsibility. I don't want hell to prevail on people's lives. Salvation is a choice. It is a choice. People have to know the facts. They have to know what it's all about to make that choice. J.I. Packer said this, Scripture sees hell as self-chosen. Hell appears as God's gesture of respect for human choice. All receive what they actually choose, either to be with God forever worshiping him or without God forever worshiping themselves. To worship God. Our text for today is found in Matthew chapter 16, and Jesus was talking to Peter, and he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he says, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Peter. And then Jesus went on to say this, I will build my church, Peter. I'm going to be the builder of that church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And those are power-packed words that have a lot of meaning, and we're going to try to unpack that today and, and give some light to it. But it first of all tells us that Jesus is the builder and the designer of the church. Listen to these words that Paul wrote in Galatians 4. He says, but... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. You see, the law came in and said, you're guilty. Jesus came in and said, I'm going to take the price of that guilt. I'm going to take the price of that sin, and I'm going to remove it from you. 
It says to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. You see what happens when you believe on Christ? He brings you into this family and he calls you by his name. You become different. You get a different name. You have a different destiny. You have a new nature. Jesus' mission was simple. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That'd be me. Be you. Came to establish his church. Christianity doesn't make any sense apart from the church. You say, well, I worship God better out there or there or there. And, and I say, you can worship God anywhere. It's true. But Christianity makes no sense apart from the church. It's the body of Christ, the bride of Jesus himself. He died to establish it, not to work apart from it. In fact, we have our most value when we're together and we, we, we relate to one another, we help one another, and we build into one another. He sent his church then into the world to make a difference, to be able to talk to people and pray with people and share with people and weep with people and help people in, in life's journey. That's why we're here. We are called by a lot of things in Scripture. We're called the church of the Lord in Acts chapter 20. We're called the church of God in 1 Corinthians 1. We're called the house of God in 1 Timothy 3. We're called the household of faith in Galatians 6. We're called the kingdom of God in Acts 28. We are to bear Christ's name wherever we go because we've been purchased with his blood, it tells us in Acts 20. We are his bride, Revelation 2. We are his wife in Revelation chapter 19. We are his kingdom in Revelation chapter 1. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, no servant can serve two masters. You can't serve the master of your emotion and your free choice and your free will and all those other things and serve God. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. I don't know about you, but you think to yourself, well, I want to do this because it feels like it's a better alternative for me. But you stop, you have to stop and say, but what does God say? And I don't mean in your prayer because you can hear anything in your prayer life. I heard God. Now, what does Scripture say? That's what does God say. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So what, what God wants for us is revealed in Scripture. What does he say in Scripture? No one can serve two masters, for either will hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. I want to be loyal to Jesus, and sometimes I'm like you, that, that my heart is being pulled because that's not what Phil wants, but it's what Jesus wants, and I know that. And ultimately, I'm only going to be happy with him. You know, this week we were just, there was so much going on in the church and with the building of the church and so many lives that just seemed to be needing help and prayer and everything else. And I was just kind of like, I was just like stretched really, really thin. And I remember that scripture came to me. It said, come unto me when you're weak and heavy laden and you'll find rest. And I invited Jesus to come over. And he said, no, I didn't. I wasn't looking for an invitation to come to your house. I wanted you to come to mine. He said, you come to me. Don't stay in the middle of your burden and ask God to join you and fix it. You go over to his house and you join him. You say, I'm coming to you. In other words, I've got to leave that in order to really appreciate you. 
Because if I don't leave that, if I don't disconnect from that burden, I carry that burden and I just want him to get rid of my burden. Do you ever think that maybe God doesn't want you to get rid of your burden? Maybe he wants the burden to bend you in such a way that you're shaping after his very nature. And that in the midst of your struggles and your difficulty, you find the power of God himself. Maybe that's what God is up to. See, God is looking for daring men and women who will dare all, people who will do great exploits for the kingdom of God. And that sounds like a really big statement, but it starts with something as little as, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Jesus, for this. We believe that with God, all things are possible. We affirm that. And yet we live our life somehow a little bit different than that. We all have, the scripture tells us here in this passage that we have the keys to the kingdom. One of my favorite guys, and I I like to talk about him a lot, was a guy named Mr. Snyder. Mr. Snyder was the janitor in my elementary school. And I loved Mr. Snyder. He could appreciate a boy that got in trouble with his teacher somehow. And I was always having to sit outside Miss Island Felt's office. I was always there. What did you do today, Phil? And I told him, he'd laugh. He said, yeah, I did the same thing. And off he'd go. But the thing I loved about Mr. Snyder was he never judged me and he had keys. He had keys and he would let, us, he would let me go in there. He says, hey, come with me. She won't even notice. She stays in that office. She doesn't even come out. Come with me down. I'm going to let you clean erasers. Now, that may not seem like a fun thing, and you, some of you don't even know what an eraser is. <laughs> but they used to have these machines, and it was like a, like a little vacuum cleaner upside down. It had this brush on it. You'd take these, these erasers, you'd run them over, and they'd suck all the chalk out of them. And we used to have fun. We'd get other kids in there, and we'd put their face down on there and scrub up their face a little bit. They'd come home with a rash, and, and, uh, but Mr., and, and then he'd say, okay, come on, we've got to get back. It's getting close to lunchtime, and back we'd go. But what I loved about Mr. Snyder was he had that big ring of keys on his belt. I I don't even know if there was that many doors. I think he just put more keys in there to look more important. But Mr. Snyder, when he walked down the hall, he would always walk and he'd take that right hand and he'd hit those keys so you could hear him ring. You could hear Mr. Snyder coming all the way down all the hallways. And I used to love to hear him. I'd be sitting in my classroom and I'd hear those keys and I'd go, there goes Mr. Snyder. I love Mr. Snyder because he has the keys. You know, the Bible says that Jesus has the keys to life and to death. That Jesus has the keys to the kingdom. And he shares those with us. He shares them with us. And if you listen really carefully, you can can hear the sound of the keys from Jesus as he's walking in and out of your life. And he's saying, I have the key to your life. And you, you stay behind a locked door and you don't realize you have the key yourself. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. See, the church is designed to disrupt darkness in this world, designed to rescue men and women from the enemy. And make no mistake about it, we are in a battle. We are in the battle of our life. It is so intense that the enemy will stop at nothing to prevent the church from carrying out her mission on earth. Have you watched the headlines recently? Let me just give you a couple of them. Suicide bombing in Pakistan, targeting Christian church. Here's a quote from the leader. They, speaking of Christians, are enemies of Islam. Therefore, we will target them. The attacks may not be the last of its kind. We will continue our attacks on non-Muslim in Pakistani land. 
They have gone public and said, we're going to do that. Huffington Post reported on the 6th of September that in Egypt, 30 churches were attacked and burned to the ground. In 2003, there were 300 Christian churches in Egypt. Today, there are 57 churches in Egypt. From Egypt to Kenya and around the world, more than 100 million Christians are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And if that seems too far and too remote for you, let me just bring you up to date with a federal judge by the name of Judge Hamilton from Indiana who was appointed, who ruled that prayers in the name of Jesus at the Indiana House of Representatives was unconstitutional, but prayers to Allah were not. He was nominated by the Obama administration to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals in the 7th District where he is today. Now, make sense of that one. You see, we're living in a day of unprecedented challenges. I was thinking about the post office, and so many people seem to be confused as who owns it. So everybody who has a post office box is not under the, doesn't realize that we own the property. And they have to tell us about what's wrong with the post office running a church. And we said, no, we're a church that happens to be the landlord for a post office. And I got to thinking about how many times that that people are come across that one car every 1.5 minutes travels right in front of our door where that new cross is going in. And I began to think, we intend to disrupt darkness and bring light to Anaheim Hills and the world, and so I can't wait for Christmas this year. Amen? Do you realize that never in the history of that land or that building has there ever been a manger scene, a cross, or Jesus lifted up, and guess what? We're going to get the biggest goats and camels we can find. (laughs) Amen? And I can't wait to have somebody say, well, that you can't do that. It's church and state. Oh, yes, we can. It's private property. Glory be to God. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You see, when you put a cross somewhere, for some of us who believe in Christ and who are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. But to those who don't, it is an offense. It is, a, it is, a, it is running against the spiritual world that we're in. It's power. What people really, really reject in your life is when they sense the power of God in you. It's not because you're moral. People can stand moral people. They can't stand the power of God because it either is going to attract them or repel them. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, it says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. That's what I want us to be about is crushing Satan under our feet. The darkness is disrupted. It's in disarray. It is running for cover. In John chapter 14 and verse 13, it says, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. Start asking God for some big and great things that he's going to do in your life. That my Father may be glorified in the Son. You know, there's coming a time when when, when our our battle will be over. We are just generations of, uh, we follow generations of people who have stood for Christ throughout since the time of the apostles. 
And there's going to come a time, one by day, one by one, we'll lay our armor down at the feet of the captain of our salvation. But our cause will live on. Eternal truth will never perish. God will raise up others to take our place. And we, and may we, we transmit the truth to the next generation in purity. Though dead, we shall thus speak for generations yet to come, and God grant us that we give no uncertain sound. Then may from our, from our home on high watch the growth of the cause that we love till all the world shall be covered and the waters cover as the face of the great deep, the glory of God himself. That's what we're about. We're about taking this message and giving it to the next generation, next generation in a way that really screams that we're serious. Church is not a hobby. Following Jesus is not a hobby. It's a life lived for him. We've been given authority to release heaven. Look what it says in Matthew 16, 19. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You don't want to see some evidence of an unbound earth? Sickness. It's, it's anti-life, isn't it? It's what we hate. It's when someone calls us up on the phone and says, I have cancer. And immediately the first thing that comes to your mind, that is anti-life. It's not supposed to be that way. And, and you start asking questions like, where is God in the midst of all of this? Sickness is is an unbound earth, suffering, evil, and darkness flourish in our world. We need an invasion of heaven in our world. We talk about children a lot, and, and those of you who have young children, you carry a double burden. You carry the burden of trying to, to help them navigate through a world that is just complex beyond belief. We face things today as adults we never thought we would. Imagine what a child is facing in their pressure, the peer pressure and the lifestyle pressure to conform to a world. And you want to just reach down and pull them out of it and say, you don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to protect you, and you have to protect them. But the greatest way you can protect them is through living a life of integrity, a life of prayer, of dedication, of being real and not being distant, not being phony, not being religious, but being a lover of Jesus himself. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 29, it says, Lord, grant your servants to speak with all boldness the word of God by stretching out your hand to heal. I think there's some healing that needs to be done in families. There's healing that needs to be done in relationships, in neighborhoods, in extended families, in workers. It says, reach out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was their prayer. We want to speak the word of God. We want, to, we want to reach out and heal. We want to touch lives and make a difference in people's lives. You cannot live your life in a reaction to the darkness. Sometimes that's all we do is we just react to darkness. Darkness comes, we react. Darkness comes, we react. If you do, then darkness will set the agenda for your life. And you'll march by the beat of darkness. Just always reacting, always reacting, always complaining, always what's wrong. I wish it was the old days. You see, when, when people grow, grow negative and critical, it's evident that Satan is setting their agenda because that's not biblical Christianity. 
a critical nature, a negative spirit, discouragement, defeat, and despair. That's not a kingdom initiative. We have, to, we have to reset our agenda in our life. And one of the ways we can do that is just say, I'm going to embrace hope. I don't care what's going on in my life. I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to trust in God. We have to reset agenda, but to live in the power of God. God, I don't have any strength in this. I gotta, your power's got to come in me, God, because I don't have it. Worry, you have to reset worry and, and let it be courage. Well, I don't know where the world's going. I don't know what's going to happen. Don't worry about that. The only promise you really have is right now. You have the promise of right now. Jesus said, you know, when his disciples came and they, they were trying to worry about tomorrow, he said, you know, don't you have enough going on today? I mean, seriously, you want to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow? He said, sufficient is the evil of the day thereof. Why don't you take care of today? Tomorrow, you can pick up your cross again and start all over. But what we do is we let, the, we let worry and difficulty, we let it accumulate in our life, and so all of a sudden we got more and more and more and more and more. I say this, make your greatest hopes, have every great expectation, and dream about today. And if you only get halfway there or 30% or 100% there, you're better than if you worry about tomorrow what may or may not happen. Let God work through that. Live your life in response to Jesus. Jesus, what do you want? I'm going to live my life that way. How can I do that? I'm going to live your life that way. In his power, live in his power and his presence. See, we have been born again to rule over darkness. That's why we exist. It's been really interesting. We, have, we had so much going on yesterday. We had, uh, as Tammy said, we had a crane there dropping palm trees we had a painter out front. We had the glass guy there. We had the concrete guy there. We had the electricians there. We had a host of people there. It was, and it was crazy. And people were coming in. And most people, to their credit, were very kind and very sweet. And every once in a while, somebody would stop and they would just tell you, what up? You know? And sometimes they used great adjectives that I'm not going to use today, you know, and, and they want to tell you all about it and what's wrong and what's going on. And, and, I, and I just thought, and I, and I sat there and I thought, God, I don't ever want to be like that. I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to react to my circumstances. And, and we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the big hurricane that came on the East Coast last year, and, and my friend has a, has a, has a big factory there on the East River, and he was talking about how, how when things, after about six or seven days, people just turned into animals, and there were fights that were happening at gas stations, and I realized that we're all right on the edge of just breaking without Jesus. God, I don't want that to ever be in my life. I, I want to I be able to be a shock absorber in this world and react and trust in Jesus and what we do and be different. Jesus wanted to make it clear that We've been born again, and that born-again experience is necessary for our life. In, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, listen to what he said. He made it really clear. He said, enter by the narrow gate. You know, I, I, when I first read that I, years ago, I, I thought to myself when I first became a Christian, why does the gate have to be so narrow? God, why don't you make it a broad gate? Enter by the narrow gate. And the longer I lived for Christ, I realized why it was narrow. It was narrow because it, it didn't need to be wide because most people weren't choosing that. They were choosing something else. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
We're keepers of a narrow gate. We want the gate to be bigger. We're willing to enlarge the gate. We're willing for all to come as God is willing for all to come, but, but it's a narrow gate. And it said, and there are many who go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. I, I think those are sad words because I want everybody to find that narrow gate. In fact, I live my life this way. This is really what's in my head. I don't live it saying, you know, I don't, no, most people don't want to believe. I believe everybody really wants to know Jesus. I really believe it. I just live my life that way, and, and, and I, think they, I think they don't want to all confess that they want to go to church. I don't think they all want to confess they believe in God. I think that if they could really know Jesus and who he is, I think they would be attracted to him. So I just live my life. I just assume you want to be saved. That's what I do. And when I talk to them, I just make that assumption. I just live like that. I talk like that. And, and you know, and, the, and then they're trying to push back and get out of that and go, no, you just, I think you just really love Jesus. Don't you like his teaching, like Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff? And, and every single person, even atheists, will say, you know what, that is pretty good stuff. I said, okay, now, so, so what if you could kind of separate Jesus from the church? Do you think you could follow Jesus? Yeah, I think I could follow Jesus. Now I've got him to first base. Now I've got to get him to second base. Second base is, okay, who is Jesus? Because then they want to group him all into this category of all the religious leaders, and he's just a, one of the better of the bunch. Now I, but I've got to get him to first base before I get him anywhere else. Our tendency is to invite him to church. Most people have had a bad church experience. They go, I don't want to do church because, you know, and they'll go through that whole thing. Stay with Jesus. Lift up Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Jesus went on to say this in Matthew 7. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare unto them, I never knew you. And I, and I look at that and I say, well, God, how can people do these things? How can they prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name, done wonders in your name, and, and they not know you, not really know you? And I realize that, see, sometimes the externals and, and what kind of gets all the press doesn't indicate a real life with God. In most cases, I believe it does. But, but he's telling us something here about really knowing the condition of our heart. I can only really know the condition of my heart. I can't really know the condition of your heart. I can hear your words, and by your fruit, you know, the Bible says we'll know our other believers, but ultimately, I can only know my heart. What Jesus was telling us here in this broad road, and this, and this many will say unto me, he says, more are going to be lost than going to be saved. That's why we're doing these prayer walks. That's why when I go into the area where I have my assignment, Area 17, by the way. When I go there, I, I always just stop and I just think, God, who's there? Don't let them slip into darkness. Help me, get, help me meet them. Help me encourage them. Help me be a part of their life. Many expecting to be saved will be lost, he further told us. A lot of people are going to think, oh, I'm okay. I, can, I think I'm going to be fine. I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and uh, I made the mistake of asking him if he was a Christian. Because most people say yes, especially if they know you're a preacher, because the last thing you want to do is say no to a preacher. 
He goes, uh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. And I go, oh, really? And I said, well, tell me, when did your life change? He said, what? I said, no, when did your life change? He says, well, I was, you know, baptized as a baby, and I was, went through confirmation, and he kind of gave me the whole rundown on, on life and what it was all about. I got, okay, well, when did your life change? Well, what do you mean? I said, well, here's what the Bible says. It says you're born again. Have you ever, were you born the first time, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Were you there when it happened? Yeah, I was there when it happened. Okay. I said, well, the Bible says you can have a born-again experience, and when that happens, you're like a new person. So when did that born-again experience happen? He said, you got me there. So I didn't try to get you. I, I, I just want to introduce you to Jesus. I, I care about you, and I want to make sure you go to heaven. See, without that conversation that probes a little deeper into the heart of a person, you might just say, oh, they're Christians, and they go on. And, and maybe they're the, one, the ones that Jesus says in Matthew 7, you know, Lord, Lord, did I not go to church, and did I not do this and do that? And he says, I, I don't know you. We have to have a heart for people without God. And then he further told us here that no one will be saved after death. He said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesying your name he says depart from me i never knew you no one gets a second chance after they die i wish they did i wish there was some kind of you know plan b but i have to go back to scripture and i have to say what does the bible say not what does phil want but what does the bible say see you weren't created for time if you live to be 60 80 100 120 years of age, which is my goal, 120. I want my kids as my pallbearers. They'll be 90. No, they'll be 100. I forgot. They'll be 100. So I have to make sure they stay in good shape to carry me out. But if you live to be a long, if you had a long life like that, but you spent eternity apart from God, what would, it, what would be the value? What would be the value? And I share this message because I'm tired of hell. I don't want hell to prevail in our life, in our family's lives, in our world. I don't want our kids sucked into darkness. I don't want, I don't want them being, being really just kind of ruined by the systems of this world. I want us to be solid people who stand strong for Jesus Christ. Strong for Jesus Christ. And I want you to join me on that journey too. And I know you have, but I want you to take it to a new level. I want you to say, God, that's what I want. I don't want, I'm tired of hell, hell prevailing. I don't want, you know, some of you got little babies. I mean, we just had a rash of new babies. We've got a whole other batch coming in now. I love it. You know, it's just kind of like they come in waves, you know. You can see it. You can see it in the, in the, in the wives that aren't yet pregnant. And then they see the new babies coming and they give their husband that look. Like, I want one of those and I will prevail. <laughs> I know, I've seen it. Don't you want the best for them? I know you do. And this church, we need to pray for those little babies. We need to pray for those teenagers. We need to pray for those college students. We need to be uplifting and undergirding everyone in this body. That's what it means to, to really be a part of the body of Christ. Let's stand together. I want you to pray with me.
as you just allow your heart just to kind of focus in on, on you, nobody else, just on you right now. Maybe to repeat these words with me. I'm tired of hell prevailing in my life, in my children's life. I'm tired of the darkness confusing and destroying people all around me. Fill me with your spirit, O oh God. Give me a strength to stand in the midst of a storm. Let me exercise the authority as a child of God. May your presence and your power fall on me even now. I rededicate my life to you today, Jesus. I give you myself completely. I give my children to you my family, my friends. I give it all to you, God. I can't do it. I confess. I've made a mess out of things in the past and I'm capable of it in the future apart from you. Right now, Jesus, do something fresh in me. Let me stand with courage and commitment in the midst of the storm that we find ourselves in in this world. And let me honor you and literally influence my world for Jesus Christ. And God, as we sing this song together, may it be a song of commitment to you. God, for those who, who aren't sure about their eternal destiny right now, and maybe those words about the narrow gate and God, the uh, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in thy name? God, maybe those just, they somehow just had an effect in, in a heart. If it, if it brings you to a place of uncertainty and, or, or just realization, could I just invite you right now to pray with me a prayer like this one? Dear Lord Jesus, I feel the power of the Spirit just drawing me unto you. I want to be certain about my eternal salvation. I want to be certain about my eternal destiny. Lord Jesus, would you right now, would you right now save me? I believe you died, were buried, and rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. Right now, I trust you. Wipe away every fear. Don't let the enemy take my joy. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life and give me the gift of eternal salvation. If today that was your prayer and Today, you, you, you say, I know now. I know that I've received Christ. I know that my destiny, because I've, with my faith, I've put my trust in the Word of God. Just lift your hand up right now. Just lift your hand up and say, that was me. I prayed that prayer. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you, sir we sing let's just sing unto him now and let's give him glory for the salvation we enjoy in Jesus Christ